Okay. Good evening. Tonight is Chavzayin Adar. Twenty-seventh day of the month of Adar. Seventh day of the month of Adar. We are currently marking twenty years from that fateful day of Chavzayin Adar. Um, the truth is, slight trivial problem. Which is, of course, the way of Teda, the way that we practice, the way that we are taught, and what we learn in the basis of the Holy Torah. I have to just take a moment to apologize to all those that I've been, my absentee, my bad. record for the last few weeks. Last week I happened to be in Germany. And uh, I, although I did arrange with several different channels, different ways to be able to give this year via Skype, um, nothing panned out. Sorry. Apologies. There was no, forewar- no warning beforehand. We just had downtime the week before, of course. As you all know, where it was Purim. And um, wasn't either a plausible time for a shear. So here we are after several weeks of missing shearing. So my sincerest apology to all. Um, ironically, as we were saying before. Before I so rudely interrupted myself, Chavzai, know there is one of those dates that just doesn't fit. It just doesn't. It's not a happening date. What it means doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the mold. It doesn't fit the mold. The mold is Ivdu as Hashem Besimcha. Oh no, Skype is having another bad hair day, it looks like.
text has started to come in now. The mold is Ibn Hashem Basimcha. Person must serve the Almighty God with happiness. And then we come up against a Chavzayin other. Ironically, there are many yard sites on Chavzayin other. Some of them are downright tragic. Um, I don't know why. It shows here that I'm on the camera. The camera's on. Meisha Liob and Shazaman Akayin. His yard said this tonight. He was all of 40 years old. But most importantly to us as Chassidim, Chazayin Adar, 27th day of Adar, I don't see, how come you don't see me? According to this, my camera is on and I see a little video of myself on the bottom. Don't talk, I can't hear you. Anyway, Chavzai and other on the calendar of Chabad marks the last time, the last day to date that we were addressed by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The last time that the Rebbe said anything to us was on Chavzayin Adar. Last time he was seen walking, talking. We all know that the Rebbe left to the aisle. Give me a couple of cells, please. The Rebbe left to the aisle, to his fr- this burial place of his saintly father-in-law. And I think we've described this before. I believe we've described it many times before. The literal conversations that took place between the Rebbe and his father-in-law. While the Rebbe was visiting at the hall. Thank you. There were times that the Rebbe would go to the Ohel upon his return would announce that he was going to Fabreng for the Kehillah, that he would Fabreng for the Chassidim, he would have a lead a Chassidic gathering. And during the Fabreng, and there have been many times as well, where the Rebbe said, I was told such and such. 
And it wasn't something we had to take for granted, but we understood and realized when the Rebbe said that, he meant that at the Ohel, he held conversation with his father-in-law. There are many instances where the Rebbe was asked, a man once came into Yechidus in a private audience with the Rebbe, and asked for a certain bracha, and the Rebbe said, I will mention it to my father-in-law. And in those days, the Rebbe would go twice a month to the Ohel, Erev Shchedesh and Tezvav Lachedesh. Erev Shchedesh is a day that many people fast. And Tezvav Lachedesh is Sihara Ba'ashla Musa, when the moon is full. This chassid had come in right after the Rebbe had just gone to the oil. The Rebbe wouldn't go for another week and a half, probably. And when the Rebbe told him that he would mention the fellow's dilemma and receive a bracha for the person by his father-in-law, the fellow, who Rachman must have been a very dire strait, very something very situation, serious situation, told the Rebbe but you're not going to the Ohel for at least another week. Implying that I can't wait that long. To which the Rebbe answered, I can talk, I can mention to my father-in-law by his desk as well. It's truthfully... It's not a touchy subject. It's not a sensitive issue. We all know there are certain things, certain laws, which the Torah talks about, which need to be, of course, explained to the person. Sometimes, when the Torah refers to decadence or fidelity or such of the matter, some people tend to back off. People tend to turn around and say, oops, I can't discuss this subject, I can't discuss this topic. And they almost look at it as if it's chas shalom, God forbid, taboo. How can I discuss such a thing? How can I say such a thing? When the person learning this and studying it and relaying it comes to the realization that this is teira, teira, is from the Lashon Heira'o, from the expression of teaching. When the person wakes up to understand that it's the word of God, and that the Almighty God says nothing that is impure, then it loses that rough edge to it. It loses 
that fear factor of discussing such sub- subjects. Needless to say, there are subjects, marital, etc., which are not discussed with young people. At the moment, they don't need to know what he's about. But the Rebbe was extremely adamant that in the world of Chinuch, in the world of education, a person who is an educator and a true educator should never ever, God forbid, use the expression to a child, when you are older you will understand. The Rebbe said that if the inquisitive mind of today is asking that question, you are not the judge of the capacity of this mind. You are but a vessel to relay the message and to give the understanding, if you're not capable, perhaps. And it's possible. It's possible you have people that are brilliant sages, and they want to sit down and educate, they want to give you a lesson, they can give the most magnificent of lessons. However, should they sit down and give that lesson to a fourth grade in school, it is more than likely that the fourth graders will either fall asleep or walk out or just start throwing paper planes. Now why is you you have a red mark here. I just hung him up. But that's why he wasn't seeing me apparently. Trying to get him back up. Okay, you're much better case now. There we go. You're plugged in and you look more human now. Okay, you're on track. So when the person, in essence, doesn't grasp something in a spiritual fashion and tries to bring it to the mundane world into the decadent levels of the world then the person could sometimes shy away from certain topics and subjects of Torah but when the person realizes that everything is pure because it is from Torah then the person will be able to delve into and discuss it without any kind of qualms. The Rebbe Chavzai and other Tavshinun Beis, 20 years ago, went to visit the resting place of his father-in-law. It was there during that visit that the Rebbe suffered a stroke. We don't know 
how severe that stroke was. We never will. I was talking to the doctor, one of the doctors that was taking care of the Rebbe. And he told me something very ironic. Generally, we know that man does not control his own destiny. Man has their destiny, they have their existence, but they're not in control of their own destiny. We also know, the Rebbe said it many times, no person is bad enough to die early, and so too no person is good enough to live longer. And therefore everything is divine providence, everything is from the hand of God. Thereby, when the Rebbe came to the Ohel, and the Rebbe suffered a stroke, they had sent an ambulance. Now there's a halacha, a very, very morbid halacha at that, but a halacha nonetheless. If... <coughs> If someone dies, passes away in a cemetery, they should not be taken off of the cemetery. They're buried immediately. Something very exciting is going on here with my Skype. One second, folks. Okay, I think. The doctor said the ambulance that came to the Ohel to get the Rebbe, they turned it off and ran inside to see what was going on, to assess the issue, to assess the situation. The Rebbe was lying there, of course, and they realized they had to get the Rebbe to a hospital quick. When they came back out, the ambulance refused to start. And they had to wait for another ambulance to come. Ironically, the doctor's mundane spiritual translation is the Rebbe did not want the ambulance to start. The Rebbe did not want to be taken from that spot. This doctor, obviously dealing with the Rebbe for many, many months thereafter, was very touched and moved by the Rebbe's predicament. And by seeing quote-unquote, the human side of the Rebbe. Now again, perhaps it's not something to discuss on the internet. Perhaps it's not something to connect, to discuss with people that are not hearing it, not seeing me straight talking about this. 
perhaps it is going to come across a little wrong when we say this but I'll go on record on saying it nonetheless Rebbe is an acronym for the words Reish B'nai Yisrael the head of the Jewish nation now unfortunately for us because we live such a mundane life when I tell you something is the head of an organization someone is the head of an office the head of a business you're proud of him you may even have respect for him because uh, surely he has money and uh, even Rabbi Hayyim and Ashirim But, it becomes a problem. What is the problem? The problem becomes... Comes when we don't know what's going on over there. Probably because we don't know exactly. What's going on over here? That's what I don't know. Okay, let's see what that is. Look at the Rebbe as a boss of a dumb, a physical body, human being. And we know. Anyway, the car still. And we know. physical person when we go to a Reish B'nai Yisrael Rebbe when we look at a Reish B'nai Yisrael and we realize how the Reish B'nai Yisrael rules and runs the nation 
why stories come about now when I was in Germany now I heard a story of a guy professor came to Washliach who had a problem and wanted spiritual advice wanted leadership wanted guidance but the professor didn't know who to turn to and the professor asked the shliach what do you do in such a situation and the shliach said that they write to the Rebbe and he said which Rebbe? he says we have only one Rebbe and how does the Rebbe answer you And what the Chassid and as many Chassidim do, I myself do as well, open one of the Igris Kedish, one of the holy books of the Rebbe's letters, of which the Rebbe compiled, or which is compiled in the name of the Rebbe, hundreds and hundreds of different topics. And we get a blessing via the Igris. It's a bracha from the Rebbe, but it's via the Igris. The guy asked to write in. And the guy wrote in to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe answered in a letter to a professor about his educational status, and about where he should do, what he should do, where he should go, how he should approach it, etc., the Shliach, of course, had no idea what this professor asked the Rebbe. But the professor thanked the Shliach profusely and said, Your Rebbe has answered me. Excuse me, I think they actually used the expression, The Rebbe has answered me. Now, if someone is not a Chassid and they're hearing this story, they could maybe even try to make a mockery of it, how the Chassidim really don't want to give it up. Don't you know that Gimel Tamas happened? We know Chavzai and other happened. We know that Rebbe suffered the stroke. We know that the Rebbe was incapacitated. But we also know that the Rebbe refused to use any kind of method of communication. The Rebbe once stood for hours, sat for hours on his porch in 770, asking for something. And the entire congregation stood there sending notes to the secretariat to what they thought the Rebbe might want. And as the Chassidim were getting more and more frustrated, and the Rebbe kept requesting, the Chassidim started to sing Nigunim, sing different songs, to do whatever they could to maybe cheer the Rebbe up. Nothing. After, I believe, six hours, if I remember correctly, the Rebbe gave up. Now, ironically, 
as we said before, there are many different forms of communication for a stroke victim. The Rebbe chose to use nothing. There are different situations. A story which was told now by the Siem Rambam with my father, Olavashalom. And my father had not coerced, God forbid, had convinced a family to write to the Rebbe for a bracha for a sick member. And the Rebbe repeatedly asked what his name was again and again, and they did not know what the Rebbe wanted, because they did say the name. But yet the Rebbe kept saying, what is the name? Until finally... My father, on a back and forth phone calls, found out indeed that the mother's name was not the same as they thought it was. Thereby, the Rebbe not wanting to give a bracha to a person with that name, or the Rebbe felt that person with that name did not need a bracha. Let us elaborate a few moments. What does that mean, the person with that name? Because it obviously is going to raise an eyebrow when someone hears that. Each and every one of us, each and every Yid, has an Ashama Tahirish in the Satabi, has a holy, pure soul that God has given and placed within me. And we thank God each morning that the Neshama was returned to us. However, however, not every neshama is equal. Neshamas come from different sources above. They all come from the ultimate source, which is Chedek HaLikami Malmamish, a part of God Himself. But they come from different treasuries of God. Thereby, being of loftier souls. And these loftier souls have different connections and ways with God. We begin this week the book of Leviticus of Ayikra. Vayikra starts Vayikra Almeisha with a small little aleph in the word Vayikra. The small little aleph represents the humbleness, the humility of Meisha Rabbeinu. Meisha Rabbeinu was a ish anav, was a humble man. He was more humble than any Jew in the world, than anyone could ever be. What did his humbleness constitu- constitute of? That's a wrong word. What did his consist of is probably the better word. It consisted of a very interesting approach. The only other time we find the Aleph being used as a reference to a person's ego 
Barishan was created, the first man was created, the Aleph is bigger. And here the Vayikra, the Aleph, is not the same plane, but a little smaller. Because Meisha was such an Anav, and other Marishan was so big, and held for himself that I am the man that was created. But Meisha Rabbeinu in turn, how could he possibly be an Anav? We say he was the biggest Anav of all, all mankind. How could he possibly have been an Anav? If we ourselves, the simpletons of which we are, can find a redeeming factor within us that can deem us some kind of substantiality, some kind of egotistical trip. And after all, who are we? Meishe Rabbeinu Meishe Rabbeinu our teacher Moshe spent three sets of forty days and forty nights up in heaven without eating or drinking or sleeping just basking in the spirituality and the Kedusha and hearing the words of God after one time he brought down the first Luchos first tablets a second time he went up to appease God and to pray for the Jewish nation and a third time to bring the second tablets so a man that spent such spirituality his body was null and void to any kind of physicalities how could he possibly have been an honor not what kind of anivas did he actually have. How could it possibly be that he was indeed an anav? But Moshe had a very interesting approach. Moshe's approach to his anivas was much more far, was further beyond what we understand. And Moshe did a very simple calculation. He said, I know that I am from a very lofty soul. And therefore, I am who I am. I have gone to speak to God face to face. And I have gone up to heaven for hundreds of day, 120 days. Moshe said, if anyone else would have had the lofty soul that I have, they would have gotten much further. They would have accomplished much more. They would have gone to much higher levels. He did not deny, he was not in denial of what his status actually was. He did not deny that he understood what it meant for a person to be in heaven. He understood how great he really was. What did he actually not come to terms with? The 
fact that someone said that he did something that nobody else could do, the fact that he was considered something special, this he could not deal with. And his approach to it was, eh, I've done nothing. My holy lofty soul is what makes me what I am. Somebody else would have had this holy lofty soul, they would have caused havoc in heaven. They would have been able to accomplish anything they wanted. This was the Anivas of Moshe Rabbeinu. This is how Moshe Rabbeinu was humbled. And therefore, Vayikra Moshe begins with the letter Aleph, as a small letter Aleph. Because Moshe wanted to show that he is not any greater than any other prophets in the world. The non-Jewish prophets are not said to Vayikra, but rather without the Aleph at the end, Vayikra. And he wanted to show that he too was like that. And they said, no, you're not. So he said, okay, I'll write the Aleph, but I'll make it smaller. This Shabbos, as we haven't finished speaking about Chavzai and others, this Shabbos is, as we said before, the beginning of the book of Leviticus. However, the Shabbos are going to take out three Sifrei Torah. You're going to read from three different Sifrei Torah, providing Yeshua has three Sifrei Torah. If it has less, we roll it. Firstly, we have a Yikra, to which six people will be called to the Torah. Then we will read Rosh Chodesh, as the Shabbos is Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh as well. Me, from the third we read Pasha's Hachodesh. So we have Vayikra, the Pasha, Rosh Chodesh, which is in Bamidbar, Hachodesh is Elachem Rosh Chodesh, which is in Shemayis Pasha's Boy. Torah tells us how God tells Moshe and Aaron, "Hachodesh Azer Lachem Reish Chadashim." This month will be unto you the great, the head of all the months. And the sages comment, and they say, in Egypt. In the land of Egypt. We know of different laws and facts, and you know what? We're actually not going to go into this the concept of in Egypt and how Egypt was indebted to the Jews and they had to come out to them, etc. It simply implies the greatness and the love that God has for the Jewish nation. 
So therefore, he says, this month shall be for you. It's for you. It's your very own. It's your month of redemption. And it's given over to you. The Holy Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi has said, it can be compared to a king that has a timepiece. And he looked at it to know what time it was. When the child, the prince, the king's son, became old,